Hello, everybody. Welcome to a French Village podcast. I'm here with my brilliant friend, Ben Wittes. We are talking about the first two episodes of season five. Renewed again, Ben. Renewed again. It is 1944. It is August and liberation is at hand. And uh, I'm really looking forward to it because, you know, Paris just fell to the Allies. We skipped over the whole Normandy thing. And I have so many questions. Can I start with my main question? Where the heck is Janine? She She's just vanished. Well, she's not vanished. Uh, so I don't, I don't know how to say this without, um, I, I will say, obviously, we don't know who survives, who doesn't, whatever. But as a, as a mini-ish spoiler, thematic spoiler, this show takes you through like the like we know how everybody ends up like either they're dead or like we see them in their old age and so like uh this was something actually that somebody told me when they were first recommending the show so i don't feel bad spoiling it for other people um but so like have no fear i i just want to know what happens to, to janine we saw her abandon Shasanya and he gets shot and then she's just like gone and it's, you know, liberation day and I want resolution. Does she get away with those payments she made to the resistance? Do they string her up from a tree? Is she uh, like put on trial? Uh, I want my Janine resolution. I mean, I feel like if there's one thing we know about the show, uh, as we've seen with Madame Morhange and Dick Cavern, people go away for like a stretch. Like we didn't see Tikiero for many of his formative childhood years. And then he was just like, he just showed up as like a four-year-old. Um, so I, that's I think, true. So I'm sorry. And- I'm, I'm sorry you're missing Janine. I will say, I'll, that's funny. That's your biggest question. My biggest question is how handsome did Schwartz get in between seasons? I just feel like resistance suits him. I think uh, resistance suits him in a lot of ways. And I also think that uh, uh, adolescence is not serving Gustav well. You know, <laughs> like he turned into a surly 13-year-old asshole, which is super realistic. Uh, Going to do the black market thing. Nasty to his uncle. I thought that was a nice touch. Yeah, yeah. We're going to get a teenage Gustav. He's going to be around. Um so I guess there's there's a, a number of things um, that 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 hits us in this episode, but but the one of the central things that we hadn't seen before, um, and I don't think we've ever talked about from a historical standpoint, is you know yes, liberation is at hand, but I think the show, especially in the first two episodes that we see, is trying to tell us something about the messiness of liberation. Like, it's not like the Americans march in and everyone dances in the streets. There is a slow turning of the tides in which lots of people are trying to, like, suss out the power dynamic. And some people, so they've got this militia, the French militia. Um, and it's one of the scenes, so I, I, I'll, I have to be honest... Uh, even though this is like technically something that I guess I would call like a work product. And so I'm like required to do the viewing. I fast forwarded through the scene at the farm where the militia comes and, uh, and, and we, yeah, that's an upsetting scene. Yeah. I knew it was coming and it already haunts me. So there's no need for me to watch it again. But the guy who does that, Alban, uh, we hear Antoine say at one point, you know, he was with me in the resistance for a bit. And I mentioned it back in a, a, a few episodes ago when we saw him, remember, he's the one who informed on them in the woods. I, I, cause I hadn't caught it the first time. Like I remember Antoine saying that me being like, wait, who was that guy? But he was the guy who was there with them for just a little bit. And then he leaves and he goes to Marchetti and he rats out their location. Um, and so now he has joined up with this French militia and it's led by, this is one of those sort of, um, Mueller instances where the insanity of the moment, uh, attaches to like a psychopath. Uh, and so like this guy who leads the French militia is this psychopath who's using his authority to like go murder families in the resistance and small children. Um, 
and he's got this. So, so this Alban guy has joined up with them, and they're they're basically there. There's the, the this one of the central tensions for them in the episode is there's a train that's leaving, and they want to be on it. Like they're trying to get out of there. They've been killing people. They are the ultimate collaborators, uh, and so they're trying to get out of Dodge. And yet, the this psychopathic leader wants them to keep. Like his his whole theory on why they are losing is they very Chisanya like you know we didn't we weren't mean enough we didn't kill enough people and so they're trying to do it just as like a cleanup job there at the end they're shooting people in the prisons um, but what did you think about the introduction of this French militia and does that seem historically accurate to you? So, um, I don't know the history of the militia in question that they're depicting here. Um, it is certainly the case that there were a variety of fascist um, groups that oriented around uh, uh, the Petain regime and the uh, and that the SS helped propagate. Uh, some of which, and I don't know the details of this. Uh, some of them actually sent troops to the Eastern Front, which you know, showed real commitment, um, but some of which retreated into Germany with the Germans. Uh, and uh, so I assume this is a depiction of one of those. Um, uh, this is actually not the first time the militia shows up. Uh, the people who arrest um, uh, Larchet uh, in season four and Sarah and uh, Ezekiel are this same militia, so they kind of they kind of make a brief appearance in a quite brutal way in season four, and now they seem to have occupied the town in the meantime. But I don't know what militia this is supposed to be depicting. Hmm. Uh- Interesting. I mean, I, I guess, I guess, t- so that's interesting that they were kind of introduced. I guess I just took them as French cops before of some kind, but now that you're well, thinking were, about it, you're un- right. They were uniformed and they're not gendarme. Um, yeah. And so, and they were sort of particularly brutal and Jew hating. Uh, and so I think the, the suggestion is that these are the same uh, militia, uh, but I don't, I don't know for sure. Got it. Um, and well, I think, and I think that they're given kind of a central role here to demonstrate this sort of um, purgatory of just about to be liberated towns, uh, because you know the there's this interesting, you know. I think Mueller is telling them to go like, just shoot the hostages, like just clean, shoot everybody who's in the prisons and Marchetti, right? Cause these guys have different, people are making different calculations. Now Marchetti's got a figuring out like, how are we going to live in this town now that the, um, you know, the Germans are like on the precipice of losing the war. Uh, and the Germans are kind of like, let's just kill everybody we can on the way out the door. And so while Mueller's ordering people to go kill every, every last Jew that they can find uh, or, or anybody else who's in prison, Marchetti says, let the last 12 go. Like, just let them out. Like, he, he's sort of like, I don't want to keep committing these crimes in the face of this town that's about to turn on me. And in fact, one of the other interesting dynamics is like the resistance is now, everyone knows they're about to be in charge. And so, you know, the cops like Marchetti and people like Servier are trying to figure out, okay, well, who do we negotiate with so that we don't get killed when this whole thing's over? Like they sort of know, they have like a, they have the glimpse of the idea that justice is coming. And so like in one case, Servier asked Larche to go negotiate with Marie uh, that, you know, they will let those guys live. And Marie kind of says... No, and let all the people out of prison, or you'll be in big trouble. Right. So power dynamics have shifted here. So the main um, militia uh, uh, was called the Milice Francais, um, Milice, Milice, I think, um, and it was, um, uh, yeah, this kind of 
uh, uh, fascist far-right group of people uh, that were organized by the Patan regime and mostly as the um, as the show depicts fought resistance uh, uh, people. Um, they were very brutal, a lot of them, a bunch of them. Uh, I don't know that it was one organization, uh, but um, as opposed to a number of them, uh, but a number of them did retreat with the Nazis and a whole bunch of them were executed after the war um, or, or in this period of recapture. Um, but yeah, they're kind of introduced without a lot of, uh, explanation. Yeah. And they're now like occupying the police station. Uh, and, and but I guess my, my, my main point is that thematically what we're watching is an uneven, an uneven kind of, uh, liberation in which the power dynamics are shifting and sort of opaque. Um, and because the, the Germans are still killing people. They still, people are still afraid of them. Uh, and yet everyone knows liberations at hand. People are trying to suck up to the resistance. The people who have been hardcore collaborators, especially in the later half of the war are starting to get nervous in these scenes. People who, you know, like Schwartz is now full on resistance, just hanging out with them in the woods. Um, and people like, you know, the, one of the main storylines in these two episodes is Muller uh, has to make a decision. Like he's got, he's sort of got two choices. It's an interesting scene. I think I'd be interested in what you think where he's kind of saying like, I don't, there's no good choice for me because he either goes with uh, Hortense and flees and becomes a deserter. And if they catch him, they'll shoot him. He can't stay in France with Hortense because they'll shoot him. Uh, and he, he can't take her to Germany with him uh, because they'll shoot her, I guess. Or like they're not married, so she can't come in. What, what was the... Because that is one of the things that's interesting to me. Like there's a lot of different nationalities suddenly in these episodes, right? The Americans are there, uh, the French, the Germans, and people are all kind of figure out like, where do I go <laughs> to live through this next phase? Yeah, so... First of all, um, uh, you know, being uh, uh, Muller is not wrong that uh, being an SS guy in this period was uh, getting increasingly dangerous. The the Allies, uh, particularly the Russians, but uh, you know treated the SS people differently than they treated normal German uh, Wehrmacht. Um, uh, they were kind of presumptively uh, war criminals, which, of course, in Muller's case was a correct presumption. Um, the, uh, so he can't disappear because that's desertion, right? And then his own side will shoot him, which is what he tries to do. Um, he can't uh, go back into Germany because the SS people, you know, can't bring in their, uh, you know, if, if he retreats with his people, he can't bring Hortense and he does seem committed to her in his weird, creepy, bad guy kind of way. Um, and so his, uh, his conviction is, okay, I've got to vanish into Switzerland. And that's the, you know, the way that he, he's pretending to be a German civilian. And that's, uh, the way he can, uh, uh, you know, have his cake and, and eat it too. Um, as to your point about the resistance being super, un or the liberation being super uneven, uh, this is true, and the scale of it is is amazing. So, uh, you know, the the landing of the on the beaches of Normandy, which is in June of '44, so two months before these events start, landed two million people in France, um, which is you know just sort of awesome as a, if you think about it as a scale, it's like, you know, landing metropolitan 
Washington, D.C. on on the Normandy beaches. Um, these uh, Paris is liberated two months later on in in August of 44. So they cover that distance pretty quickly. Um, but then uh, the the regime uh, retreats into Germany uh, and the Allies kind of keep pushing the Germans back through, you know, Eastern France into 45. This is some of the heaviest fighting of the war uh, on the Western Front. And I don't think, I think pockets of German resistance in France persist well into 1945. And so, you know, you have this period of months where, you know, generally speaking, the Allies are pushing the Germans out, but any given town might have, you know, a number of German soldiers or the Germans might uh, come back to a place or they, you know, the militia may be in control. And so the depiction of it is quite chaotic and you don't really know who is who's going to be there uh, and who's going to be pointing a gun at you, I think is quite accurate. And it's also sort of the essential debate that our resistance teams are having, right? Because they know liberation's at hand, and so there's sort of a dispute going between do we kind of wait for the allies to get here and tell us what to do and, like, how to be useful, or do we start going on the attack against the Germans occupying the village um, and, like, show are people that like, we did, we did this, like we ran them out. And, uh, unsurprisingly, um, uh, or, or it will, maybe it is surprising, I guess. Uh, but Marie, who, who we have seen now to be interestingly cautious in some of this, like in the last couple of, she was at the end of season four and here she is too, sort of not wanting to go on the offense. She kind of wants to wait for instructions, um, whereas Antoine and Suzanne, uh, and ultimately Schwartz, uh, cause they have a whole fight because he's not backing her up, um, or she's not backing him up either one. He, he thinks she's embarrassed him cause she disagrees with him. Um, cause he's lame like that. But, uh, <laughs> but, but, but most people are on Marie's side. Like people don't, they're not quite confident enough to go take the kind of risks that they're talking about to like drive the Germans out. I'm on Marie's side on this, and I was not on the, uh, uh, as you know, on the parade thing. I thought she showed very bad judgment on this, but I'm totally with her about this. She, um, you know, you have the U.S. Army uh, and the Free French Army pounding their way across France. Um, uh, all, and you are gravely, gravely outgunned. I mean, the Germans have heavy machine guns and you don't. Um, why, why would you sacrifice good people um, in order to achieve essentially non-military objectives that are going to be achieved anyway within a few days? I, I think she's just showing good judgment here. Yeah, I agree too. Um, and and interestingly, you know, part of where we get kind of set off is that Antoine and Suzanne are, you know, they're ticked off. They've got they got a fire in their belly where they want to go, you know, shoot some bad guys. Uh, and Antoine's already it becomes clear through the episodes like a folk hero in the town of the resistance. Like people know his name, know he's the one who led the parade. Um, but so they are. They are in the barn, which is about to like make out. They're making out in the barn when the militia shows up uh, to Vernay's. It's Vernay, the the former, the sort of the cop who uh, joined the resistance uh, and his family, his wife and two children. And so they are in the barn making out and that's like kind of thrown at you right out like really fast uh, in, in season five. We're like, okay, Suzanne, you know, Marcel is, Marcel's not cold yet uh, from the end of season four, but well, she's it's got a full year. 
I'm just kidding. I mean, I'm, I mean, I, I'm, God, you will defend Suzanne over anything. I swear. No, to God. and I actually don't approve. Of, <laughs> I don't approve of the relationship with Antoine, but that's just because I don't like Antoine. Um, I like, you know, m- hey, Marcel, who couldn't give her a commitment for after the war. She's supposed to be true to his rotting corpse. Um, you know, <laughs> I, I, come on. Uh, Suzanne, Suzanne gets a break here, but she should choose better than Antoine. He's kind of lame. Mm, okay. I like, I like Antoine more than you do. I agree. He's like he's such a teenager. Well, he's like 21, which by the way, not to, not to just be Sarah coming in with the weird age. There's like multiple weird relationships in these two episodes. There is Albin with his sister where they, he, they show him before, you know, he's, he and his Ugh. sister are like, yeah. And it's super strange. Like, I'm like, oh, this clearly is his girlfriend. Until he says something about sister. And I'm like, this is, that is not how you hang out with your sister. Then two, when Suzanne and Antoine are hiding out, they go to her ex-husband's house and he's shacked up with his cousin. Uh, and I know that they're French and this is all very French stuff to do, but come on, Suzanne's what, 15 years older than Antoine? Yeah, Suzanne's, uh, uh, that, there's an age gap there, but Antoine, who's just like barely over Marie at this point, clearly True. goes in for the older women. Uh, and, um, and, you know, he's never gotten laid before, we find out in this episode. Um, what do you mean? You and, didn't believe him when he said, of course, he'd done it before? Uh, well, uh, Suzanne, let's just say Suzanne doesn't believe him. Um, and... <laughs> Um, so I'm, I'm, uh, I don't know. I don't like this relationship. I think, uh, Suzanne could do better. I, if I were matchmaking for the show, it would be Suzanne and Ensemble, who I think, uh, needs a good socialist girlfriend. Uh, wow. The blue angels are flying by my hotel room. Uh, cool. Um, I think they just went by. You know, I just I do think for all of the defending you do of Suzanne, uh, setting her up with Anselm seems to be one of the meanest things you could possibly do with her. He's like a sixty-year-old farmer. <laughs> She's like at least like thirty-five. Uh, anyway, look, look the choice of men right now—they a lot of them are getting killed. But we're, we're dealing <laughs> with slim pickings here. It's true, but you can't. I'll tell you one thing about uh, about. The you can Antoine and Marie or Antoine and Suzanne, they both have a type. Uh, because Antoine likes his older resistance women, and Suzanne likes uh her sort of weirdly distant uh resistance men. Um so yeah, she goes for the emotionally unavailable. She does, she does because like clearly something's going on with Antoine, or like he's he's sort of into this, but he uh, only maybe halfway. Um so Anyway, so they are hiding. They're having a smooch in the barn uh, when the militia shows up and murders Verne and his family, which is a harrowing scene. Um, And so they have to go. uh, So they decide that what they're going to do is they are going to kill, I guess, John Vier is his name, uh, who is the head of the militia, the psychopath I referenced earlier. And so a lot of the, the action in the first episode revolves around them setting up a mission um, where they're going to go. An unauthorized mission. An unauthorized mission, right. So they've already, they've had this disagreement. The resistance has decided to hold steady. Uh, Marie wins the day, but Antoine and Suzanne, they're they're angry after witnessing this, justifiably so, um, and they decide to, yeah, do an off, an an off-book mission to go kill John V.A. Or, uh, yeah, whatever his name is. Um, and that the first episode ends kind of in a shootout uh, where, you know, they go in and he's Jean V is having dinner with Albin and his sister, whose sister is is important. Actually, she becomes sort of a, a more major character. Um, and so it's notable that part of what's happening at the dinner, the dynamic is that this John V.A., who Albin refers to as the godfather, his godfather, uh, that he 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 shot those kids on that on John V's orders. Alban did, and it clearly Alban doesn't feel good about this decision. And his sister keeps asking him what he's talking about in terms of the thing that he did, because Alban kind of keeps referencing that he did this thing. 
Um, and so the three of them are having dinner. She's totally creeped out by this guy because he's a total creep. Uh, but they don't realize, Antoine and Suzanne don't realize when they go in there that there's more than than John VA in the house. And so it becomes a bit of a chaotic shootout out of the gate. Yeah, so first of all, this crime is probably the single worst crime we've seen in the show so far. Um, this is, they kill not just him, uh, the, the cop resistance mem in front of his wife, not just his wife, um, but also his two small children, uh, in cold blood. Um, and Alban does it at the kind of threatening taunt of his godfather, uh, clearly doesn't feel good about it. Um, he's a weak uh, person who's led on. Uh, he's not an instigator, but handed a gun and pointed to two children. Uh, he does shoot them. Uh, and, you know, uh, that is the, the two of them, plus some of the others who were there, including the older uh, man who becomes uh, sort of the head of the militia when Jean Vierre is killed. Uh, this is the single worst crime that we've seen in the show. And it's not perpetrated by Germans. Uh, it's perpetrated by increasingly desperate French. Yeah, and can I just ask you a question on on this part? Because I guess the one thing that kept that struck me both times, I hate this scene so much, it stuck with me, I'll probably never forget it. Uh, but why, I understand John Vies is, is, like, is a psychopath. Um, but like, what does Alban think is going to happen? Like what I I am I am I am I feel like it's so late in the game that to be committing these kind of war crimes at this point, I, there's this I, I referenced this before that there's this period of time where I watched um, Band of Brothers not that long ago, and one of the things that somebody says is that as they got closer to the end of the war, there was this feeling that would descend of like oh my gosh, we might survive this. And so everybody starts being a lot more careful, like in a way that they were kind of careless because they had this existential sense of, yeah, I'm probably not going to make through this and they take big risks. Like at some point people are like, wait a minute, I might live through this and then you, you know, you're, you're much safer. These guys, knowing that it's at the end of things, I mean, and that they're maybe getting out of town, it just strikes me as an insane thing to do for a guy like Alban to put the souls of two children on his conscience? Well, conscience is a different issue from self-interest, right? And I think, so I think the psychology of this in practice, and I, I think the show depicts this really well, the officials, Servier, uh, Mercati, are doing their best to arrange things for themselves. Let's see if we can get Danielle Larcher to meet with Marie Germain and and give and cut us a deal, get us, you know, we'll release our resistance prisoners in exchange for certain guarantees for ourselves. Um, uh, the militia people don't have this option because they're uh, they've been so brutal, so awful, and they're also kind of only semi-official. So they're kind of in this situation where there's no, there's no deal to cut for them. They're either retreating with the Germans uh, or they're going to get shot on sight. Um, and so I think the, 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 the psychology of it is why not kill the kids if it will uh if it will you know ingratiate me to the godfather who may shoot me if i don't by the way um uh and from the godfather's point of view uh why not engage in the atrocity 
if it will ingratiate me to Schneider, who, you know, makes uh, Muller look like a softy, um, uh, why not do it? Because the only protection you have is from the even more brutal people that you're answering to, and your safety is on the side of their uh, of 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 retreating with them. And so I think the the the, the desperate psychology of the situation actually uh, uh, favors the the atrocity rather than cuts against it. Because when when Anselm and Marie are in charge, you're going to get shot anyway. Yeah, I guess that's true. And that makes sense. Um, well, anyway, so Antoine and Suzanne, they witness this. They decide to kill uh, John Vier because of it. They do. Uh, and as a result, they're on the lam. They've got to go and hide out, uh, which is why they end up at uh, the house of her ex-husband, who is now well, living they, with his cousin. But they don't just kill uh uh him they get into a shootout with some german german troops too and they kill some germans which turns out to be significant it turns out to be significant in the sense that the germans are now looking for them and the germans are you know we hear in the second episode that we watched the germans kind of rolling through town with the microphone making an announcement that uh, there's going to be reprisals, like that they're looking for these people and that they're going to take it out on the town uh, for doing it. So this is this is Antoine's second uh, second thing that Antoine's done that leads to, and we learn this in the episodes that the that what was done to the town after the parade was intense. Like people were killed. They don't show it to us, but we learned that the reprisals were significant and it looks like we're setting well, it up for that to happen again. We see, we see one of them. Um, we the see guy the very that gets shot with the hand in the square. Yeah. 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 Uh, so what do you, uh, let me ask you a, a moral question. Do you think that it was worth it for Antoine and Suzanne, or do you think this was reckless of them? Totally reckless. Because I want Jean Vier dead. Oh, I want Jean Vier dead too. Um, and first of all, it's possible for it to be simultaneously uh, righteous and reckless. But I think when you have uh, the U.S. Army coming in within a couple days behind you, um, the... Uh, the need to take risks is low. The costs of those risks is high. You're going to get these people anyway. Uh, uh, take a deep breath, mourn your dead, and uh, and wait. Uh, there's nothing good is, can come from this. Even if you get him, which they do, you're going to get a lot of people in Villeneuve killed. Right. And I'm totally uh, with Marie on this. I think, you know, um, time is on your, as the, as the Taliban would say, the Westerners have the watches, but we have the time. Yeah. Uh, what, let's talk about uh, Servier for a second, because one of the interesting things, right, you want these episodes to be so satisfying, like you want the Americans to just march in and you want our people to be happy, but instead, of course, like, People here can't have nice things. And so, uh, but one of the more satisfying elements is the fear as watching people like Servier and Marchetti freak out. Uh, not in the way that they say anything, but just in, I mean, Servier, the guy playing him is good. He's like, he's just like, or, and he's just like the perfect like pencil pushing uh, bureaucrat. Uh, and I love how Servier sounds like sniveling and like, like a servant. Uh, and his, and his line that he repeats a couple times over these epitodes, we represent a legal authority that is soon to be replaced with another legal authority. And uh, you know, the, the story that he's telling himself about how his behavior is not murderous and abominable, but in the in the regular order of things, 
is a wonderful portrayal of how people must have justified themselves. Completely. He he is one of the things that I like about Servier actually as a character is where as I think a lot there's a lot of resistance people. There's a lot of bad guys. Like we get to see it and we get to so we get to see a lot of gradations. There's really just him standing in for the the sort of complicit state um and the 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 go-along bureaucracy. And he like he gives you all of it. Uh, you know, he he sort of he carries that perfectly kind of alone. Uh well, there's others. I mean, Larche is part of that too, as is as are the non non Mercati police officers. You know, the the ones who are not savages like him, not but who are just kind of doing their jobs, and their jobs really suck. So, can I say that the difference to me? So, those guys are part of the system for sure. The cops. The thing about Servier. And this is what I mean where I feel like we don't see a lot of it. Like he's in a different tier, right? He's in the, I still have coffee. I never actually suffered a day of deprivation from this. I traded favors and got my hands, you know, or got my 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 nephew out when he got in trouble. Um, there were, and I guess, you know, the people who are sort of, you see like him are kind of like Chasania. But the thing is, the thing about Servier that to me is different, Chasania is a bad guy. And I think Daniel's a good guy. And like, Servier is the banality of evil. He's not. He's not a bad person, exactly. Right? Like, he doesn't go. He's not. Doesn't beat his wife or shoot people. And he feels sick to his stomach over deaths. But he carries out the atrocity with a kind of efficiency uh, that I think is unique in the I show. I guess. I think you're being a little bit soft on him. He's not a true believer like Shasan, but he is a, uh, you know, he he believes in the deportations of Jews that he's engaged in, as long as they're not French Jews. And his only reservation about his participation in that is that Madame Morhange, who he knows to be French, uh, gets wrapped up in it. Uh, he's, um, uh, you know, when when the Germans decide to kill Chassagne, he's not uh, particularly exercised about it. Um, he he's a um, a. I I think he's a kind of. I don't quite know how to describe it. He's a functionary of a state whose morality he never questions. Um, and he believes that the service of that state is the highest value that he can represent. And he doesn't care very much that that state is engaged in evil. Well, I guess that I, I I thought the banality of evil was an indictment. I was trying to indict him with that because uh, I do think I don't I think he's I think he's very bad. Uh, but for all of the reasons that you just stated, but he's also like he he thinks that he has a noble purpose and he has a story that he tells himself. And he's not uh, when I say the banality of evil, it's still evil. <laughs> like it yeah, is, he's not. It's, it's not a psycho. Right, right. He's not Mueller. Uh, he's not John Vierre. He's uh, and 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 for a while, he's like he and Daniel are kind of the same a little bit, except we see all this other stuff Daniel does that is for the good. Uh, Servier has none of that. Yes, and we also see a lot of scenes where Daniel is is wrestling with it, and Daniel is arguing with him for right. a for. Uh, different policies, um, but um, uh, he's a—he's what the Russians call an apparatchik, right? Yeah, and I th yeah, bad. Anyway, uh, let's talk quickly about Mueller and Hortense because Mueller, to my surprise, uh, chooses romance, uh, and this is like. I, what's that movie, Natural Born Killers, you know, with uh, Woody Harrelson and uh, Juliette Lewis? 
And they're just like psychos in love. That's what was going through my head as I watched him put on these civilian clothes and them have this like, the first they fight for a while and like she basically says how much she doesn't really care about Gustav. Uh, and he's kind of teasing. he says, I like him. Yeah, he, yeah. Like, he likes Gustav. He's like, I kind of like him. But he's also like re- giving her, you know, a hard time for like, wondering if gustav's okay and you know and the, and then they like they like marry each other uh they hold like a fake ceremony or like an emotional personal ceremony and they put their rings their fingers through some scissor holes as a consummation um but i will say uh yeah it gives me meaning to like hey you two crazy kids uh because they are they are on their way there's this great scene where they pull over just like have a snack and these american soldiers kind of roll up and they both freak out and you can see that they think this is the end for them and instead it's just like a couple of dudes being like which way is mossy and like what are the we're lost um but you know how dire the situation is for them as they drive and they also realize actually in that scene that there's no way to get for them to get to the Swiss border. Like the, the soldiers are quickly closing in around them. Uh, were you surprised though, that Mueller didn't just like abandon Hortense and leave her behind? Uh, yes. Um, and I think there's a few ways to read it, right? One is that he's looking for a way out and escaping with her is, a way out. Um, uh, the second is that he's uh, looking for, um, you know, that some part of him is actually loves her or whatever in his weird psyche passes for love or affection or attachment. Um, and um, And a third possibility is that uh, it's actually a, a, a screenwriting error, you know, and it's it's so out of character that, you know, it's really more of a plot device than anything else. Um, I, I mean, he remains, in my view, the best played character in the entire show. Uh, and I find him, you know, riveting to watch in his civilian clothes as the SS officer pretending to be the German civilian with the French wife driving through the countryside. Um, And he's still so horrible in his interactions with her, but he's charming and, you know, he's not killing anybody, which is um, really like his most as attractive as he gets, he's not torturing anyone. Nice so, change of pace for him. Yeah, yeah. He should, get, he should um, get outside more often. Yeah. So I'm. I, I think you know, uh, this trip is not going to end well for them. Uh, uh, I think we know that actually from the credit sequence uh, of the show, where there's a clip of a American military policeman. Uh, holding Hortense by the shoulder and parading her somewhere. Uh, So we know that at some point uh, she at least falls into the hands of the Americans um, who, uh, um, uh, and so I I think the, them running into the Americans uh, is a kind of harbinger of something to come. Uh, That said, uh, I don't, I, I, let's just say I doubt that they get into Switzerland and live happily after, ever after. Hmm. Uh, well, let's talk. So you mentioned the Americans. Uh, it's, it's, uh, I will say without spoiling anything that like the Americans are here now. So like there, you see a fair amount of the Americans. There's a great, great exchange with Marie where she's got this, uh, she, the the she has now hooked up with the Americans. They want the French resistance to go blow up a bridge for them. Uh, they are trying to do it, but like the bomb doesn't go off, and like there's a sniper shooting at them from somewhere, trying to keep them from blowing up the bridge. Uh, and the Americans are trying to use, uh, you know, 
the French resistance to execute actual missions that are necessary for them. And Maria kind of, so, so Maria's been working with this guy now and she says, look, I want to see your commanding officer. I want to tell them they got to like march into Villeneuve because that'll, that'll shut down, you know, the reprisal killings and everything else. And like, there's this great scene where she goes to an American military base. She gets some chocolate from like the nice guy she deals with. Um, and there was this funny part where he offers her chewing gum and she's like, what is that? He was like, you know, you chew it. And she was like, what am I, a cow? Uh, what do you mean you chew it? Uh, and, and then watching her, it was satisfying to like get, uh, see her after so much deprivation, get a taste of chocolate. Um, but she she goes to see the commander and she, she like gets in an argument with him about how they should, you know, invade and save lives. And he's like, well, why would I put my life, my guy's life on the line for your guys? That's just different lives on the line. And she kind of was like, yeah, I guess I hadn't thought about it that way. And ultimately, she's kind of decides to just take, like, continue to be a good soldier with the Americans. Um, like, she's persuaded by what he's saying and decides that they need to keep taking risks. But, but, but I say this all uh, in service of a, of a broader point about the Americans. It is funny in this show, after, especially after we're just consuming so much uh, media over my lifetime about, you know, how Americans are to see Americans depicted by the French. Um, and I think there's some of that in these scenes where, you know, we always see the Americans as, as liberators in World War II and like the guy handing out chocolate, like that feels like the American stuff that I've seen, you know, we come in and, and make people happy. Uh, but like, the commander who's like, who is this pain in the ass woman? Like, just go do the thing I'm telling you to do. And like, yeah, you keep risking your lives and I'm not dealing with you. I'm my guys are going to, we're going to blow up the bridge so they can't come across it. And then we're going to, you know, we'll rebuild it when we need to go across it. Uh, and he doesn't want to deal with her. And like, that was a funny depiction of Americans. And we get more of that as this goes on. Yeah, so I, I, I mean, I think this is a, a really interesting also portrait of the differential horizon that the people of Villeneuve in the resistance and the American commanders are thinking about. From Villeneuve's point of view, uh, liberating Villeneuve is a real priority. You know, they they want the Germans out. They don't want any more massacres in Villeneuve. And from the Americans' point of view, even this region of France, it's just one of a hundred places they've got to clear the Germans from in France before they get into marching into the Low Countries and Germany, right? Like, like they've got another year of the war left. The people of Villeneuve have another few days of the war left, and they need, uh, and so their their priorities are just totally different. And the Americans are like, "Who the fuck are you? And what the fuck is Villeneuve? And why are you? Like, I've, I've still got to get to Berlin before the Russians do, you know." Um, and that's a like a real difference in perspective that, you know, I think this is the first time Marie is confronted with. But I do think for a reasonable person, you know, in her or uh or uh for that matter, uh uh Marquette's place, right? Uh for him, it's like when Villeneuve falls, that's the end of the world for me. Um but for the Americans, it's just another village on the way to Germany. Yeah. Uh, and, and one of the things actually that, that was pr really interesting to me about this conversation between Marie and this guy from just a, um, not exactly a tactical perspective, but it becomes clear that there's going to be a retreating German army that's going to, because they're talking about this bridge and it's like, oh, wait, so not only, yes, like this town might be liberated, but like the retreating German army is coming back through. <laughs> like there's like there's there's this gonna be this whole period of time where um it, you know the a, a defeated and depleted sort of German group of people are still gonna be everybody's still gotta move from place to place. And so it's not quite over yet in that regard. Yeah. 
So just one piece of foreshadowing that we hear in this episode that uh, for me was a little bit exciting uh, as we go get into the fifth season here is that um, one of the things Servier talks about is that there's been a new prefecture appointed and that his name uh, yes. is De Cavern. Yeah. Uh, and so he's coming back. He's coming back. But he don't, but so not only is it like, oh, and it like who knows where this guy's been? And like we he did come back for like just for Morhanja's death for like a scene. And then like we don't see him again, he's gone. Um, but what's what what's more interesting than just the character coming back is the fact that somebody like Dick Avern has gone somewhere and gotten into such a position that he is now being sent back as like the new legitimate government uh, of Villeneuve, which is interesting. And I guess I wonder where it is. I mean, I guess he's in Paris uh, and I guess he's sort of a London. Why? So, well, so during the war, um, uh, De Gaulle was based in London um, he shows up in Paris when the Allies retake Paris. So De Caverne, uh, there was an increasingly large sort of, it was kind of a government in exile associated with what was called the Free French, uh, which eventually organized an army which participated in D-Day. Um, and there were, I mean, I don't know if it was tens or hundreds of thousands of French troops who you know, landed as part of the Free French Army. Um, but uh, a lot of the people, you know, for, I think De Cavern's kind of disappear. you know, he's organizes this early uh, resistance network that was doing spying, which was mostly what the resistance did early in the war as it forms. It was largely a spying operation. Uh, he then vanishes um, and reemerges as the new prefect at the end of the war. I think the implication is that he's been part of the Free French operation uh, running out of London, uh, but we may learn something later that suggests otherwise. Yeah. Well, exciting stuff. I mean, I, I just got to say, you know, the fourth season's a little bit of a slog. Um, it's good. There's, like, really good... Um, there's a, there's some really good episodes, but the fifth season, uh, is a good, is a good one. Um, lots, lots happening and, and the reckoning begins. And, and part of what I, as we've always talked about the show as a meditation on complicity, uh, you always know that judgment's coming and we're getting to the judgment part. And, and I find that to be an interesting, an interesting place, uh, to be. Well, would that we were getting to the judgment part in in our world that this is all a metaphor for. Um, but uh, uh, we're going to have to wait for that. Uh, we will be back next week. And until then, Edith, take us home. Nous, nous